Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. It's your free throws because they're free. Fisher, Tosabos, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Criders on the way back from San Diego. We will see him later for our Horns Up Talk in Texas podcast. So do not be shy. Tune on into that. It'll be very exciting to recap what was a great season for our Texas Longhorns. I think it's important to say that. We could start in the college football playoffs, the Michigan Wolverines. In overtime, we got a little free football yesterday. Won the Rose Bowl 27-20 to 20 over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Stamping what was a very tumultuous season, but stamping it with a win. Uh, and they're heading to the national championship in Houston. Our Texas Longhorns fell short the last second to the Washington Huskies and the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, which was Again, very disappointing, but you know, we were before we before we hopped on Toss, you said we got kind of worked, which is by and large the truth. And I think that game was a lot closer than it was. Before we get to our horns, we'll start with the Michigan Alabama game. Yeah. I was and, and can we also just say happy new year to everybody? Oh yeah, happy new year. Yeah. Belated Shabbat Shalom, you know, the whole the whole song and dance. Twenty twenty four. It's gonna be a good year. I, I hope so. The uh what well, the 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 where was the Bulgarian um that Bulgarian chick who died in ninety six who she she predicts a lot of she's like I forget she's like, not a soothsayer Nostradamus yeah 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 that that chick she does not have a positive outlook for twenty twenty four and normally I'd be like all right I don't I don't believe this witchcraft but apparently she called nine eleven so which is also not something that I, I would if i was her i would be bragging about not a great resume builder but she called that she called the pandemic so she's called some stuff she has some worries about the financial crisis in 2024 she is optimistic that we will find some good cures for diseases so i'm going to err on the side of that that could be very positive and that's my big wish for 2024 It'd be very nice for that to come to fruition and in the meantime we'll just talk sports that's what we'll do because we, we yeah. are not soothsayers and we're not predictors of the future. Um, I was impressed by JJ McCarthy yesterday. I wasn't blown away by him. I was, I didn't leave the game being like, all right, this guy is a bona fide first round pick. He, he's a real NFL talent, but I was very impressed by the way he came out and delivered uh, in, in a really big game against a very tough Alabama Crimson Tide defense. Uh, Blake Corm had a solid game. Um, Alabama, it became evident as the game wore on that they were pretty much Jalen Milrow or bust. They really didn't have the McClellan had a nice game, but he's not a real dominant force in the run game. If, if Miller wasn't making a play, Alabama was not going to do anything on offense and their defense honestly couldn't really, couldn't really do much. They had one sack to Michigan six, like Michigan's yeah. defensive game plan was really strong. And I think, you know, not to, not to get into the other game that we're going to discuss with Washington, Texas, but it showed that the defensive side of the football, yes, there was a lot of good offensive moments in both games, but the defensive side of the football, whoever was more dominant on the defensive side of the football made more plays, won the football game. 
and Michigan made some serious plays. They held him in overtime. Uh, really bad play call by Saban to try to run it up the gut with Milrow. I don't know if that was a broken play because of the low it snap. Looked like, it looked like an RPO with a yeah, snap, it, and then as soon as Milrow got the low snap, he kind of just he tried. He freaked, he freaked a little bit and was like, okay, yeah. I can only do this with my legs. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a great play call. I, I'm a guy that has been criticized it has been critical of this particular play call. Um, not what they actually did, but what they could have done, which was roll a guy like Milrow out and throw to the short side pylon. I think they mm-hmm. were on the short side of the field going right. So you would have rolled him out, right. Which is more favorable for a right-handed QB. Um, I don't mind an RPO there. You have to at least give yourself an, an opportunity to, for him to tuck it and run if, if he needs to. But I, for both of these games, without getting too much into the the Washington Texas game i felt like the victors michigan and washington really got to play the football that they wanted to play they dictated oh, yeah. the game um washington even more so than michigan but i, I actually thought alabama almost won the second half um outside a, a really gutsy performance and you know that late touchdown drive from the michigan wolverines so i, I felt like michigan dominated that first half um, they had five of those six sacks in the first half. And, and yeah, I mean, what, like what you said, I mean, this is what's going to be really, really exciting is, you know, we kept saying in that Texas, in our Texas preview shows that if Texas can get to Penix, if they can pressure him, they can sack him, they can put him down on the turf. Um, you know, that'll make all the difference in him not being able to get the ball to the playmakers. They weren't able to do that. And he absolutely diced him, dissected him. So now I think, you know, Michigan strong suits are their edge rushers and their interior defensive line. I would say Texas's strong suit was the interior defensive line. So I'm really interested to see what Michigan can provide defensively to try and stop this incredible offense, high powered pro offense, because you've got Penix, who's going to be a first round pick now after the performance he just had in the semifinal. Without a doubt, he'll be a top 15 pick. And then you have Rome who could be a top 10 pick as well. Should be. And you've got McMillan and Polk who will at least be taken in, in by the end of the second round, um, if not higher because of what they were able to do in the semifinal and throughout the entire season. Uh, so, and of course I think for Polk, you know, and we'll talk more about this on our horns up show, but the fact that he was a former Texas tech guy who transfers to Washington, like I'm sure that victory was a little bit sweeter for him, but yeah, I mean, I think after watching those two games, I think it's the two right teams. It's, it doesn't feel like, a 1980s, you know, United States hockey time, hockey team where it's like nine out of 10 times they would have lost. They won that one out of 10 time uh, chance. Like I think that, you know, Michigan and Washington both beat Texas and and Alabama, um, you know, seven out of 10, six out of 10 times. Like they, they, they weren't necessarily both favored, um, but they won and they're the better two teams. Yeah, I think that, well, first of all, we got to give a shout out to Blake Rafino, AYS, hopping in our comments here, shouting out your mustache toss, which is proud and strong in 2024, carried it over yeah. from 2023. Glad to see you're doing it. Look, a lot of people went with the name Brandon Alabama. A lot of people were betting Alabama, and you that's generally, you know, better's eye, take Michigan. And Michigan came out kind of like shaky. I was like, oh, no, like, here we go again. Alabama's about to steamroll them. But they got it together. They went to their brand of football. They were excellent defensively. They showed why they were 13-0 this season. They showed why they were the number one team in the college football ranking. Uh, proved that Alabama was a really good team. Should have been there. They kept up. 
but it showed that, look, Michigan was better than Bama, probably better than Georgia, who fell to Alabama. I know we were having some conversations at the bar with some Georgia fans or one of our friends who was a Georgia fan yesterday who couldn't really rationalize why they hadn't made it. We had to explain to him that they lost the game that they needed to win and prior, prior, prior years don't count um, yeah. for, for what the resume calls for this year. Um, and then in the Texas game, which we can now kind of tailor into it, look, like Penix came out and he came out strong, right? And he, again, like you're saying, showed that he, I'm not I mean, he's saying a, he's, he's, a, he's 23 years old, you know, 24. He, I thought is he, is he 24? Yeah. I, mean, look, I, I, I thought that was also a huge difference too. In both games was that well, the quarterbacks where McCarthy has been in a, a college football semifinal before Milrow has not right. He has not played. He hasn't started. And same thing with Penix. He hasn't been to the college football semifinals, but he's been playing college football for a damn long time. And he came in, there was no rust that they had to shake off. Well, he's beaten, he's beaten, uh, he's beaten Michigan at Indiana. Like he's beaten Michigan already, Michael Penix Jr. as a member yeah. of the Indiana Hoosiers. So I, I we got we got we have the uh, Hack City boys Some chirping in. going on in the. In so the they, I know like, they're they're so happy. And I, look, I think people came out yesterday, and this this actually goes to our friend Blake Rafino at AOIS. People came out yesterday and like, oh, Michael Penix Jr. should have won the Heisman. And I I don't think that yesterday's performance should take away from what Jaden Daniels did this season, which was pretty special. And it's not his fault that the defense can't stop a nosebleed, exemplified by them giving up 31 points to Wisconsin, who is a pathetic offense. I think that Michael Penix Jr. did, however, prove people who were kind of doubting him, hey, I am a top five quarterback in the nation, top three quarterback in the nation. I should be a first-round pick. I should be the fourth quarterback taken off the board. I probably should be a top 15 pick. And Rome Madunze, like you're saying, is he's a top 10 pick. He's probably the number two, maybe, you know, probably the worst number three receiver behind Malik Neighbors. They have pros in the offensive line. And this team came out with a great game plan. They weren't shy. They were ready to play their brand of football. They knew that we had a young defensive backfield, which was our weakest point, and they exposed it. Like they didn't run the like like Dylan Johnson ran for twenty one times for forty three yards. Our run defense, which is excellent, did what they had to do. Yeah, aside from yeah. a couple big runs by Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, I mean like you, you give so like, you, that was it. You give Dylan Johnson the credit for on the goal line, you know, being able to punch it in because we've been in that position before where we went, we had you know four opportunities from the one yard line and we couldn't punch it in earlier this season. Sure. Um, so. So that's no slouch of a performance there, but as far as we couldn't as what- score four chances in the red zone, it's hard to cut you, but we couldn't score no. four chances in the red zone. Like, and you know what? I think ultimately, like this, it was a lot of confusing moments for me in this game from the Texas side. First of all, two fumbles, you lose the turnover battle. That's kind of the game. I know they had yep. one fumble, but like you, you lose against that a kind high-powered of- offense like Washington. You can't. They're going to make you pay. Opportunities. Yeah, they are going to make you pay. Uh, I was beyond puzzling. And then this is a small factor of the game, but Hey, special teams count. I don't know why we had a guy with a broken hand returning kicks and Keelan Robinson makes absolutely no sense to me. Makes, especially when blue came out and was like, uh, thank you. <laughs> especially when blue shout out. Yes. Look at this nice Jaguars. Let it's a new live. We're getting a lot of love in the comments. Uh, I, it, it was very, it was very confusing why we had a guy with a broken hand returning kicks, especially when Jaden blue came out was returning kicks quite nicely. And then yeah. when push came to shove our play calling in, in, at the end, when they kind of gifted us, you know, a comeback was very lackluster. And I think our play calling throughout the game was pretty lackluster. I know we were running the football pretty nicely. Uh, Quinn came out very, very dull. He, he didn't really pick up his passing game until the fourth quarter. Um, the third quarter, we were non-existent. That pretty much cemented you know, the, the Washington victory in my mind. And the Huskies, through and through, looked like the stronger team. Like, I think you're right. Like These are the two best teams in college football. And the Washington and Huskies had a lot. Not only do they look like the stronger team, but I think they look like the strongest team 
and I'm going to, when we get to it, um, unless I have a radical just change of heart, I believe that they're going to be able to dictate tempo. They can go fast. They can go slow offensively. They can get the chunk plays, obviously, but they can also take their time with it. Um, and I know that Michigan will be able to create more pressure on the edge and, and maybe present a few more problems for Penix. But I, I still think that the way that he's operating right now, the, how talented their offensive players are in comparison to JJ McCarthy, who I know you were praising a little bit, but I thought it was a pretty pedestrian game for him. Honestly, I was better than highly, I better, better than I anticipated. I wasn't highly impressed by him. Um, in, in how I was highly impressed by Penix and the best yeah, players show up in the biggest moments. Penix with his legs too. Yeah. Those those two design runs that they drew up, which which worked excellently for them. Also his movement like, in the his movement in the pocket too. He was elusive in the pocket. He shed a lot um, of stuff. Yeah. It's a he's a veteran QB. He steps up when he needs to. He he never pre-plans too. I think that was a huge difference that I saw between how he quarterbacked the game in comparison to Quinn. Same and in comparison to McCarthy and Milrow. Milrow's a little different because he's so reliant on his legs that he has to improv in that way. But Penix doesn't know who he's throwing to pre-snap. He he reads the defense and he makes the proper read and then he throws the ball and he releases it. And of course, his his completion percentage and his accuracy yesterday was top, top notch, top level. Quinn, a lot of the times, I still believe is is getting scheme looks that are go that are resulting in open receivers, and he knows where he's going ahead of time. And I think that's why you saw that throw at the end again, like I don't think either of us expected that we would be in that position where if we had scored that touchdown at the end, we could have won that game with an extra point by Bert Auburn, which of course is going in because Bert's an absolute Automatic. guy. He's a G, but you know, Quinn is like, okay, I, I need to get the ball to 80 Mitchell. He's one of our playmakers. And he throws a little lollipop fade route to the back of the end zone, as opposed to Twice. meeting the DB, seeing the soft yeah. coverage, seeing that 80 has space in front of him and he can throw a zip to that pylon and let 80 go and get it. And I think if that happens and Quinn makes that assessment, um, we win that game and we're moving on to the national championship against Michigan. And so those are just the maturity things that I think Quinn will work on. And, and, you know, I texted you and and Nick after the game and I said, I, I think this is a kid that needs to stay in college one more year. Yeah. And if he does get drafted because the talent is there, he, he needs to sit, he has to sit a full year. In my oh, opinion, he's a clipboard because, hold maybe too. Like I, th I yeah. think like, he just, I don't know why we were so scared to use the middle of the field either. Like we totally didn't use the middle of the field in that last, you know, bit. And we went two shots to this, to the, you know, to the sideline. And I get like, you want to sit, you know, you want to have that sideline. If you want to get out of bounds, you want to conserve time, but like we could have used Jatavian Sanders and took a shot at the middle of the, in the, in the middle by the post, you know, and, and I was really disappointed. We didn't, um, yeah. but Penix great Jr. games like, though. Great, great games. games, man. Like that's like, look like that. Ultimately, that's what you like, want. That's what you're trying to do. Like, you know, I think like they were worried about the FSU uh, game. And I, and I know guys sat, you know, for Florida state, a lot of guys sat and I, I don't think it would have been the case if it was full strength on full strength FSU versus Georgia, but that was a terrible, pathetic game. And I, I don't think the committee wanted that. And I think they made the right call with these four teams and Penix jr. I looked at him and I go, okay, like Daniel Jones, man, like I, I would take Michael Penix jr. Ahead of Daniel Jones next season from the New York football giants. If it comes off the board by the time the giants picking Daniels and Caleb Williams and Drake may are all gone. I'd be looking at Daniel Jones strong and hard. I think Michael Penix jr. Really showed yesterday that he is an NFL ready quarterback. He could come in slot in and help a team win a football game next season especially with the quarterback play we've seen this year like this guy can make the throws he can move in the pocket he can make decisions he's got great he's got insane zip on his ball he's got a fastball man like he could really sling that thing yeah he fit some tight windows yesterday yeah. for sure and he had all season
Like that, he had a couple balls to roam, like where you know, like that, that he just drops it right in, just some perfect throws, and he really exposed our defensive backfield. But really great games, unfortunate for our Longhorns. But you know, we'll be back. It was an amazing season for the Horns. Like the guys played great. They played out it. You know, they 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 reached the level that we all thought they could reach, and that's yeah. a big step for this program. I I mean personally, like I don't know how you feel about it, but I have not left a college football season as a Texas Longhorn fan. No with the way. same sentiment and excitement <laughs> Not for even next close. season. Like last it, it always takes me like at least like a couple like a month and a half to hear about what spring looks like, to hear tell us like what he's hearing around campus and stuff like that before I get like really excited. And now I'm like anxious because I'm like, I just want to see us play again. I, I really do. And I feel like that level of excitement is is uh is shared by by Longhorn Nation. That's super that's super fun, man. Like that's that's what yeah. we want. Well, look at that's that what our program in. Be. Yeah, look at the team that got in though. Like Michigan, how many? This is Michigan's third year in a row the college football playoffs, and this is their yeah. first time making it. Like it, it's no, it's not easy. And it, the fact that we, you know, Michael Penix Jr. gave us four hundred plus, almost set a record for the Sugar Bowl, and and their offense looked as dominant, and we were like a second away from winning that football game, and we did not play that well. It goes to show you where this team is, where this program is. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys leaving. There's a lot of young guys that'll be back next year. And you know, that's it, man. You got you have to have growth. You have to have improvement. And you know, we say that in every sport, not just college football. Um, all right, let's go to the NFL, man. What are your three takeaways post week 17 heading into week 18? Yeah, I mean, I think like one, this is this is no new news for anyone, but it it feels like we already have a predetermined Super Bowl final, does mm. it not? Oh, yeah. Like it feels like it's Ravens 49ers. If they feel like the clear two best teams in the NFL, Lamar Jackson is playing his best football right now. Um, and obviously we know what the 49ers can do and, and they went and they, they lost to the Ravens. So you, you would give the Ravens the upper hand, but of course, you know, I think things will be very, very different if they play each other in the Super Bowl. but I just don't necessarily see, you know, the other three contenders, true contenders in my mind would be, uh, we were talking about it. I can't remember we were talking about it with, but I guess the Cowboys are the next best team in the NFC. Their run game is so weak to me. It, you know what? Quietly, Tony Pollard almost has a thousand yards this season, which is surprising because I agree with you. I, I think it's it's weak and even in Dowdle might not even be available. Um, hopefully he comes back next week and he doesn't have a lingering energy or injury. But you know, they're the next best team, I would say, in the NFC. I don't trust the Lions because they haven't been there before. I don't trust the Cowboys, even though I'm saying they're the next viable option because they're the Cowboys. And if they come face-to-face with the 49ers in the NFC Championship, I know what that result is going to be. The Mm -hmm. Eagles have a fraudulent pass defense. Um, As good as they've been up front this season, they're not as good offensively as they were last year. And it's because they've lost both their coordinators. And I I completely get it. But they're just not the the same team as they were last year. Um, mm-hmm. no one else in the NFC really moves me. I know you like the bucks, but I think not like, anymore. Okay. That was, that was it. They proved like, I liked them. And then they, when push came to shove, you could clinch the division and you lost to the saints at home. at home. Yeah. And so the only other team that I, you know, two teams that I think like could, could sway me to, to make a run in the AFC would be the chiefs just because they're the chiefs and we love counting them out. And I know they're not the same team as they were last year, but if they could figure things out and I know that they're trying to simplify the playbook, like, it's Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. And if you're close in a game with Patrick Mahomes, even though he hasn't had to go on the road, he's not a road-tested playoff warrior yet. Um, I, I still believe he's the best QB in football. And I think that they've got some tricks up their sleeves. And would we be surprised if they made the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. 
right? It's it's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. And then I, you probably don't want to hear this, but I, I mean, the Buffalo Bills. The, Josh Allen is playing incredible football right now, and they had so many, you know, bruises and injuries early on the defensive side of the football. But the fact that they've been able to rally despite that, uh, you know, losing Milano so early in the season was obviously a huge, huge hit. And then with the Von Miller stuff as well, they just, they're just there and they've just been really, really plucky and they've stuck around and Josh Allen can win you football games, what he can do with his legs. I'm not worried about wherever they're playing. I think that's a team that travels really, really well. Um, and I think that, you know, we keep saying it because I know you were an owner of this guy in fantasy. James Cook is the best running back that they've had in this current system with Doug McDermott. Or not Doug McDermott, Sean McDermott. Shout out Dougie McBuckets, though. Love that I mean, guy. Dougie McBuckets would be a great, great coach. He should be. He should be there. Right. So I, I don't think you can count out the, the Bills either. But again, I, I have the Ravens and, a, and the 49ers a clear cut tier above the rest of those teams. That was obviously one of my takeaways too. So I will answer your bills call. I'm, I'm still not, I'm still where I stand on Josh Allen. I really am. Like he didn't look that great against the Pats. I know the Pats have a really underrated defense and I've been singing those, those praises for a long time, yeah. but I, I really don't think Josh Allen is like, I'm not saying, okay, the bills are going to win because of him. Like he's not a world beater like that. Like the guy, he's had like, I'm looking at his completion percentages in the last, you know, four games against us, it's 50. Okay, 71 against the, poor, the worst defense with the Chargers. But under 50 against y'all. Under like 54 against the Chiefs. 56 against the Eagles. Like the guy throws a lot of incompletions. He turns the ball over a lot. Yes, he's really good in the red zone rushing the football, but it's not like he's running for 100 yards like Lamar Jackson or, or Justin Fields. Like, he's great in the red zone. He's a finisher. That's awesome. And, and he's got a boatload of touchdowns. It's pretty incredible what he's done. Um, but I, I just don't th- – I'm not looking at him. I'm like, all right, this guy is really, like, going to be such a massive difference maker that's going to put them over the edge. Like, Patrick Mahomes has been in years past. Like, Tom Brady has been. Like, we thought what Aaron Rodgers could be, you know, at certain moments. Like, quite frankly, if, if I'm going into the playoffs, I could list you quarterbacks I would rather have than Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford being one of them. I feel more confident if I had Matthew Stafford than Josh Allen. A, yeah, okay. He's won a won Super Bowl. A Super Bowl. So I don't like I, – I feel just as confident if I had Dak Prescott or Jared Goff. Like, I feel fine, like, having both those guys, like, and not having Josh Allen. Obviously, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts has been there before. Josh Allen hasn't. Purdy, you know, can easily be just, I feel just as good. And obviously Lamar Jackson, who I think, you know, locked up the MVP and answered the call. Like, okay, is he like the, you know, MVP by default? No, he went in, they're the best team. He he threw for five touchdowns against what we were told was a really good Miami Dolphins defense. And they put up 56 points and they absolutely crushed them from the second quarter on. It's a decimation. So they've proven to be the best team by far. I think yeah. the 49ers are the next team that can only – probably the only likelihood that could take them down. And Lamar Jackson now enters a territory of, like, you have home field advantage. You are the best quarterback in the league this year. You have the best team behind you. If you can't deliver now, then what? Then you have a problem. But I think yeah. he will. I think he's going to get there. I don't think he's – look, Harbaugh is a great coach. He's won before. I think this team can really get there. It's time. Like, they've been close. You know, we've been waiting for them to get over the hill. I've picked them to win the Super Bowl how many years in the last five years. I really think this is the season where Baltimore gets it done. If they don't – they don't have to do too much. They just, just have to play, like we were saying earlier, their brand of football. I would say my <laughs> next takeaway, I have a Jags hat on. And I, was Jags- gonna, I was just going to say the Dolphins, for me, can't be in that mix anymore 
because now not only have they lost Jalen Phillips, but Bradley Chubb is now out for the rest of the season too. Their pass rush is done. Uh, horrible. Yeah. To, yeah, it's another injury for Bradley Chubb in the ACL. Like horrible injuries, but they lose to the best teams. Like they lost. You know, they lost. They they lost to the Bills. We'll see what happens this weekend. Really interesting scenario. If the Bills win, they win the division. If the Bills lose and the Steelers win and the one other team wins, forget who it is, they're out. The Raiders? Is it the Raiders? No, it's not the Raiders. It's somebody else. Like, I, I'll, let me take it. It was a really, really interesting conundrum. Um, I'll say this, though. I'm wearing a Jags hat. The Jags might be my most disappointing team this season. They're in contention for it. Um, I really... I really thought the Jags were going to take that massive next step up. And I thought they were going to be there with like, let's say maybe not the Ravens where the Ravens are at, but like how we're talking about the dolphins and they're not. And Trevor Lawrence had a really disappointing season. Him and Peterson did not gel, continue to gel like we thought they would. They did not build off their success. You know, like, okay, we took it to the chiefs last year. We gave them a good run in the playoffs. We had an amazing comeback against the chargers. They didn't build off that success. Uh, the division is pretty weak and yet they still might lose it. Like the Colts with Gardner Minshew could win it. The Texans, who were, you know, an, a rookie QB, a rookie head coach, they could win it. Like yeah. it, it, it's a very peculiar situation in Jacksonville, and they have a lot of looking in the mirror to do. I think once they get in the playoffs, they get bounced. Like right now, they have the Browns. Like that is the last matchup I think that they want. Like the Browns, like defensively, despite missing some guys, are really going to give the Jags a run for their money and really going to come into that, come into a place that's not that difficult to play in and, yeah. and put the hurt on them. So I think Jacksonville for me this season has been pretty disappointing. Yeah, I, I concur. We were probably just everyone collectively a little too hot on them after, you know, they upset a Chargers team who, I mean, we've been banging the drum for the last two years about their head coach. And and if you look back and you get kind of tantalized by what Jacksonville did to the Chargers, then you're kind of dismissing how we feel about the Chargers to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. With at least the Chargers team that was head coached by Brandon Staley. Yeah. and. So I think, you know, while Peterson has the experience, you mentioned a list of quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence, I don't even think was a thought in your mind in that consideration of who you'd rather have than Josh Allen. And so I think that, you know, comparatively, we've seen the graphics, right, of, of Trevor Lawrence's stats compared compared to Mac Jones, and it's not that dissimilar. Do I believe Trevor Lawrence is a much better quarterback than Mac Jones? Yes, of course. But he is having a tough time. He's been solid this season, but not where you want him to be. I think, you know, you got to point to who his head coach was his rookie season. And that does a lot to the development of a player, at least stunted where it could have been. And then this would have been even better of a year for him. Um, I still think that there's good things ahead for Trevor Lawrence. And I think that, you know, does this mean that they can't win if they get to the playoffs? Does this mean that they can't win their first round matchup? No. But are they going to the AFC championship? No. And you certainly don't feel great if you're a Jags fan or you're a, you're you're the GM. You're looking at your team and you're seeing what Travis Etienne did for you this season because you don't get that every single year from a running back. You don't, mm -hmm. and you don't know how long you're going to get. You don't know how long he's going to be on your team. You don't know when the next contract negotiation is up if he's going to go elsewhere because he can get a bigger bag. Like you really just don't know. And he was excellent this year. He has been yeah. great this season. And, you know, Ridley wasn't what you wanted him to be in his first year back. He had some moments, but the consistency wasn't there. First year back. I, I mean, he's a number two receiver. Right. That that was just my thing is like, do you have, I mean, Evan Ingram was the most reliable pass catcher on the team this year. So mm -hmm. 
do you yeah. need a, a bonafide number one on this team? With oh players? yeah, I think so. I think you're. I think you're looking in the draft. I think like they're a team. Depending on where they're picking, like depending on how the draft board falls, like look, they taken they took Walker first overall, and he had he's a he has nine sacks this year. He's fine. They probably should have taken Aiden Hutchinson. They probably or Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. They have Josh Allen, though. You're talking about a wasted season. I'm not saying, look, they're going to go to the playoffs most likely. It's not a wasted season. But they have Josh Allen with 16 and a half sacks, second in the NFL. Darius Williams, at cornerback, had an excellent year. I think he's top three in pass defense, passes defended, and he was really phenomenal for them. So, uh, yeah, they could go to defense. If I'm the Jags, I probably am looking at the board and seeing where receivers are falling. Like, if I can go up and get one of these guys – Right. If I get a Keon Coleman from Florida State, who I really like, if somehow Roma Dunze is falling or Malik Neighbors falls out of the top 10, and I'm the Jags, I'm, I, 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 I don't think they will. But if yeah. I'm picking in the early 20s and I can move up and get one of those guys to pair him with Trevor Lawrence, I'm doing that immediately. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, if Devontae Adams is available, I'm giving up my first round pick for him. Like, okay. I, I'm entering that mix because I think the Houston Texans will be there. And I think that's plausible. I think the Raiders could be in a position to, if they take a guy like Michael Penix Jr., they sell their pick. They, they sell Devontae Adams for a first and a third, maybe a future third too. They take a guy like Jalen Polk, who Penix has some familiarity with early in the second round, and they start to build around Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I, I, with you know Antonio Pierce as the head coach. Uh, yeah. I think Devontae Adams is out of there any which way, and I think the Jaguars should enter that mix. I really do. Um, yeah, and then, I, think I, I, I will say I know no disappointing team for you, but for them to make the playoffs two seasons in a row, which they need yeah, to do. Yeah, it's great. It's good for the franchise, and you know that's a team that got to the AFC Championship. What was it, 2016 with Bortles? Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't. That defense was tremendous. Epic. If they can sustain getting to the playoffs two years in a row. Do it again next year. Win the division next year. Three years in a row. Like you're you're in the right direction. You're doing good things there. Peterson is the right hire. It's just I agree with you. We we thought that going into the season they might be kind of a dark horse Super Bowl contender, and I think that it's just apparent that they're not quite there yet. Unfortunately, yeah. And there, I will say this on the last bit of the Jags on gets your other takeaways. I think that the division is not going to get any easier. And that's not even a hot take. Like if, if this is what Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's are doing in year one, look out, you know, Gardner Minshew and the Colts, like you know, Gardner Minshew could be a starting quarterback somewhere next year, but they really don't have their difference maker in Anthony Richardson. Will Levis has shown some nice flashes and we all love Rabel as a head coach. I'm not, I think this is the worst the Titans can be. Um, so I, I think this division is going to get a lot harder. And this was a really big year for the Jacks to put a stamp on this division and they didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just maybe, a, a takeaway more so looking forward to next season, but mm. the, the future is like somewhat bright in Arizona. I would say like, I like their yeah. head coach. I like their head coach. I like him more than Cliff as far as longstanding, oh, yeah. a, a real like leader who knows what he's doing. Um, you know, learning from, from that Eagle system, obviously I think boded well for him um, being under Sirianni, who I think has done a, a really good job as the Eagles head coach in his tenure there. Kyler is a guy, you know, he's a, mm -hmm. he's a QB that I'm going to say he's in my, like you can win with, category right now i don't Ooh. think he's gonna win it for you but and I, he needs to do more but i'm i'm really liking the fact that he came back from his injury wanted to play is going out there and not just mailing it in he's putting on for his team they go they beat the eagles that was a huge win for them obviously it's a huge win for me as a cowboys fan mm. but they this team the entire season and credit to the coaching staff has not backed down to any challenge and I know they've only won four games, 
but we thought this was going to be the worst team in football personnel wise. They're probably still the worst team in football and they, and they have four wins. So I think it's just, if you're a Cardinals fan, it's not been the season that you wanted it to be, but you no. going into it knew that you weren't going to have Kyler Murray. And here he is playing pretty, pretty darn good football at the end of the season, giving you some good momentum going into the draft where you'll have a top pick. You can do whatever you want with that. You can trade back. You can get multiple players. If you wanted to, you can, you can maybe pair Kyler Murray with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, at this point, I don't know if they keep if they win one more game, they're not going to be in that position anymore. But no. um, yeah, I think like I'm not as hopeless feeling about the Cardinals as I was going into the, the regular season with who their I, coaches. I love that. I'm looking at their stats right now. Like, look, you probably need a guy to pair with James Conner. He's 28 years old, but who was 12? Who was really good this season once again? I I told y'all I did. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you when I'm wrong, but I told y'all he was going to be good, and he was. Kyler, you've had three different starting quarterbacks this year. Uh, if you're the Cardinals, not great. But Kyler Murray should be back better next season. But again, new offense. He's coming off injury, like you're saying. Like, there's a lot that's going on for Kyler Murray that he has to adjust to. Defensively, they don't have a stud. They don't have a stud defensively. Like, they just don't. So if you're the Cardinals, uh, and Monty Austin for it, you know, shout out to him, former New England Patriots, director of college scouting, um, four Super Bowls with us. If you, if you, <laughs> he's, we, we've, we've seen him move around the draft before. He loves to, he liked moving around the draft last year and, and he did it pretty efficiently in his first draft as, as the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. You're going to have a top four pick, right? There's going to be a team that wants to move up to get maybe a Jaden Daniels, maybe a Michael Penix Jr. that needs a quarterback. Right. If you're if you're the Raiders, you could be in that position. If you're the Falcons and you're Arthur Smith and you have one more shot of glory with Atlanta and like you're on the hot seat, like you have to go up and get a guy. You cannot sit there at the eight, nine spot and just take whoever's available. They might not yep. be there. So you may have to go up and get that. And you if you're the Cardinals, you could move back and you could start stockpiling picks and you could try to get like a boatload of picks in the top 50 in a pretty deep class. You can get a good corner, right? There's a ton of them, not like elite corners. McKinstry, Mitchell from Toledo, Wiggins from Clemson, um, Lasseter from Georgia. Like there are corners out there that you could go out and get. You could go out and get one of the edge guys too. Like those guys aren't like again. This isn't a year where there's going to be edge guys, edge guys, edge guys off the board. It's going to be a pretty offensive heavy first couple picks. So you could yep. be sitting there and you could get Dallas Turner, uh, Braylon Trice, who absolutely kicked ass for Washington against us yesterday. Yep. And you know, yeah, and Jared Verse from FSU has been pretty unsung. Like you're the Arizona Cardinals, and you could come out with a brand new defense you have a tight end in the future and then you could try to make a signing in free agency for a wide receiver or again this is a really deep wide receiver class so you use one of those early picks on a wide receiver too and go and get get a guy to pair with marquise brown so i i, I think the future is a lot brighter than i what i thought it was, was going to be in arizona heading into the season yeah. i like that and i'll say the same thing for I, the Packers. they've also michael wilson has been good for them too he's oh, like yeah. a good he's a good maybe wide receiver too we'll see how his career pans out and you've got three Rocky there you have a three yeah still gadget yeah yeah you, I, have, you, you have some stuff oh I, 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 trey like mcbride who you didn't name but yeah, yeah sorry they're, they're tight yeah. end number one yeah i I will, I will my last one and then we'll go to nba to close out i'll apologize to jordan love and the packers i was they didn't do enough for me though, because I wanted that T-shirt bet. I'm gonna owe you a T-shirt at the end of the season because I did oh, yeah. say that they were gonna win the division, and they got relatively close actually, which was he, pretty impressive. I was out on him because I think like for being in the league so long, you have to be better than you were. But 
at the end of the day, I was pretty impressed with how he's been from the very in and out, you know, wide receiver group, uh, guys injured. No one's a real number one. I think Reed's pretty nice and pretty fun. He could be a good number two. They need to replace Bakhtiari finally for the franchise at left tackle. So that's probably where they're going to be looking in round one. Again, it's a strong offensive line class, I feel. So I think they ended a strong receiver class. So they can really do some damage if you're Green Bay. Um, but I was really impressed by Jordan Love this year. And I owe him an apology. That's my last takeaway. I saw a side-by-side graphic that said that Jordan Love has one season where he's thrown more than 3,000 – sorry, more than 30 touchdowns with no receivers named Rob Gronkowski and Randy Moss. And Tom Brady has no seasons where he's thrown more than 30 touchdowns with no Gronkowski and no Randy Moss, which yes. is funny. That's a really funny graphic. Uh, anything yeah. else for you? You want to dip and dive to the NBA? I think we can we can mosey on over to the NBA. Ooh, let's do it. Very exciting. Um, okay, NBA. The Knicks move RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, and the Pistons' second round pick of twenty twenty four, which is going to be the first pick in the second round. Valuable, so yeah. valuable. Yeah. Um, in this day and age, when there's so many good hoopers. For OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua. Precious Achua, a guy we actually liked in the past. Malachi Flynn, exciting from San Diego State. But the real piece is OG Ananobi, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They're going to have to pay him whatever. I think you and I were in the same boat that we weren't obsessed with this trade. But hey, it was a move that no one saw coming. It looks like people are saying it's a first move for the Knicks, which will subsequently be followed by a second move where they could use a lot of the first-round picks they have stockpiled with a with a Grimes-type uh, player to go and get a quote-unquote star. I don't know if it's Spider Mitchell. It could be DeJounte Murray. could be something of that realm. But I, I, I look at this, and I'm excited for the NBA trade frenzy to come. Um, I want to get your takes on who are the next guys that will fall. But ultimately, and I know he, I know he played well yesterday. I'm still not obsessed with this trade. I mean, it's it's one game. Yeah. It's one game. First of all, RJ and Emmanuel quickly looked fine in, in Raptors uniforms. Um, I we had we just had people. I we had a group text with someone where they texted about it. I've seen other Knicks fans, you know, be like, he was awesome yesterday. And look, three of six from three, fifty percent from three. That's you know what you bring him in there to do. But he's supposed to be the best defensive player on the team and guard the best guy. And Anthony Edwards still had 35 points. So at the end of the day, I'm not blown away by this trade for New York. I'm not obsessed with it still. I need to see a lot. This doesn't make them any better in terms of being a championship contender. They are still that five at best to seven range uh, in the East, which is a pretty weak East. And they have to make another move. I don't know who, it gonna, who, is, who it's going to be, but they have to make another move or they're going to get, you know, at best, second round. So what move for you makes the difference and would push them past the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics? Well, you know who I want the Miami to get. You know who I want to get Donovan. No, I don't think they need that. I don't think they, I don't know if they need that. Like, I don't know if they need that. No, I I agree. We've already had, we we talked about this and we were talking about it with Jack Settlement when when we were discussing, who's a Knicks fan, uh, Snapback Sports, who's a, a good friend of ours. Uh, just his thoughts on it. And I concurred with him. It's like, I don't think Donovan Mitchell moves me that much, even though he's a top 20 player in the NBA, you pair Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson together. Sure. You've got more offensive firepower, but I also think those are two guys that can be exploited defensively when they both have to be on the court in the last five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And OG, mm-hmm. while a good player can't have the ball in his hands as much and create 
in the way that RJ did. Now, I think that RJ, Randall, and Brunson gets redundant. Obviously, they're all such heavy isolation players. But offensively, OG is a supplementary piece. He's gonna he's a 3 and D guy, right? He's going to sit in the corner. He'll crash the offensive glass. He's a really good rebounder. Obviously, he's huge. He's got a crazy long wingspan. But um, he's not going to create off the dribble and break guys down as a secondary scorer from your wing. Mitchell will do that. Mitchell will give you 30 points in a game. He will give you 40 points in a game, in a playoff game especially. We've seen him do it time and time again in Utah, in, in Cleveland, in his one-year stint there and you know going to his second year. But I know that he doesn't want to stay there long-term. So it's a viable trade option. Um, I, I think Murray maybe is a, a better fit, I guess, for like long-term he winning. Because defensively, he's a better fit. He's a playmaker. Right. And he can I think- shoot and he can play off ball. He's learned to play off ball with, with Trey. And he can also run the second unit if you want to pull Brunson so you don't have to play that guy 40 minutes a game. But he still isn't enough to, to move me. Well, you have to get Capella in that deal too, in my okay. eyes. I mean, you have to somehow get Capella in that deal to shore up because the Knicks are still very thin in the front court. I think RJ wasn't working there for – and we've you know heard a bunch of different reasons, but I think one, I like I like your positive reason for why he wasn't working there the other day, and that you know he's really great moving fast pace, and I think him and Scotty Barnes and him and IQ together in Toronto moving quickly, no pun intended, I think is going to be really beneficial for his career to like jumpstart. Not necessarily yes, him him being back home in Canada, sure, but we've seen how he can be like in a fast pace situation. We've seen him have well, also just not in New York, right, with the massive New York microscope on. It's they're just a slow moving team. They are. Their offense is slow. Like Randall and Brunson together, not they're not pushing the pace. They're not fast paced. They're breaking down slow, which so works they, for it, them. But I, I like. I, I really. I don't think. I, I. I'm with you. I think the Jazz are in a place where they can keep marking in. I think they are like a pretty decent franchise, and they they bring good guys in. Like Keontae George looks like a really strong pick so far. Like, and he he's been like a nice piece, and he probably. I'm not saying he should have went. He went later than he should have. But again, like if you're picking, I think he went 21st. Like that's a really good snag if you're if you're the Jazz. Um, obviously Walker Kessler. You know, that was a really good pickup too. Like that, that's worked out for them. Like they have pieces there where they could keep marketing and try to keep hitting in the draft and have him on their timeline. But if I'm New York, I think that would have been a really guy. He has the length. He doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time, but he can shoot. He's an excellent, he's like a real score. He's at 25 points per game score. You add that with Brunson who's scoring 26 points per game. And all of a sudden that makes the world a difference. If you have to give up Julius Randle, I would consider it. I think Markkinen is a potentially better player and maybe a better fit with Brunson than oh, Julius yeah. Randle is. No, he definitely is. Offensively. Uh, I, just, I, I just don't see – The Jazz doing the, it. I don't see the Jazz doing it, and I also have a feeling that the move, the second move that the Knicks want to make is a move that they can guarantee Randle still is on the team at the end of that move, right? Where you have yeah. Brunson, Randle, OG, and another guy. Um, but it's who are you giving up in that in that case – if you're getting Donovan Mitchell or if you're getting whoever, if you're trying to get DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella, like are you giving up then Robinson and Hartenstein? In which case, like where you're going to have to lose some amount of depth that you have in a move. Robinson, like you ha- I would give up Robinson. For, and I know like he up until this point has been healthier than typical. He's a really good player, but he's out for the rest of the year. So it's depth that's not it's not existent at the moment. Well, he's you might not, not no, no one might want him then. Sure. Right? In you which might case, not you might lost, not be you've you've lost a, a an important trade asset, which I I don't know. I just 
They can, I don't know though. what their options are. I haven't like gone to the drawing board hardcore like trade machine and been like, because I don't necessarily think it, it, it can be done through a trade right now. I don't think like you're just, there's a cure all that makes the Knicks contenders with a move that is within the bounds of what an actual NBA GM would do. I think the worst thing that could have happened for the Knicks is the Clippers being good. If the Clippers with the Harden experiment was a disaster and they were falling in the rankings and they were like where the Warriors were right now, two games under 500 on the outside looking in from the playoffs, I think Paul George, Kawhi Leonard was a viable option. And I think one of those guys takes them to the next level. I really do. That's the kind of guy you need if you want to compete with Boston, Milwaukee, and I guess Philadelphia, but really Miami. Like Miami, they just have that. They just, I don't know if Miami can win the title. At the end of the day, like I don't know. Like if they couldn't do it last year against Denver, like and they really didn't put up that great of a fight, like I don't know if they can do it. But they've gotten there time and time again, and they just continue to churn out guys who are contributors. You have two stars, and then you have a bunch of you have another guy who's not a star, but a really good offensive player in Tyler Hero. And then you have a bunch of dudes like Duncan Robinson back, <laughs> Jaime Hawkins, who he sung his praises on another show. Like he he's in the mix. I'm, there's there are teams that have to make like the Lakers have to do something. I've seen Reeves been floated around as a as a piece to move in, in rumors. I, I just get worried that, and of course, what I see a lot on on X, uh, formerly formerly known as Twitter, is you know now that Kyrie played last night and he's back, like he's in a lot of trade conversations. Of course, just generated by NBA fans, and the one that's been lingering since the offseason was that you know, the Lakers could make a move to easily get Kyrie back there. And then you've got Davis, LeBron and Kyrie, which look, I, we, but what need are him. you guys getting? Like, what do you mean? I mean, getting? in that case, if we're getting rid of Kyrie, we're, we're probably getting Reeves in which case I'm yes, do it because I'll take the guy that's 24 and going to get better and is young and like, is on a really, really good contract. Great. Like, contract. I, I, I just think that, and, and then we'll get someone else too. Maybe we get Vando in that trip, whatever it is. Like, I'd be down for it because of the depth of personnel. Um, but I also think that like the Lakers making a move, like a big move doesn't make a ton of sense to me because I think that outside of moving D'Angelo Russell, which like you're not going to get a massive haul for him. Um, you're not going to get, he has very, to be a part of the, he has to be part of you bringing somebody in. You're right. But whoever the, the Lakers are getting, it's, it's likely not going to be an all-star in my opinion. You don't um, think they get, Siakam is being floated around. You don't think that's that's viable? Would you take Siakam to the Mavs if you moved? I, Kyrie I, I to the worry. Lakers? I, it's it's hard to say no to Pascal Siakam because he's at times an All NBA player. He's been shooting the three ball really, really poorly this year, mm-hmm. and that worries me a lot. In in an offense where you have Luka Doncic, like you need guys who can shoot the basketball out there, and it's not like Pascal Siakam is like running the second unit. Right. It's not the same thing. Like, I like that Kyrie Irving can play with four other guys with that second unit when Luca's not on the court. I like that. And he can control tempo and he can be the point guard and he can facilitate, he can create open shots for himself and for others. Mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam can't really do that. Sure, it makes like an enticing proposition of what Luca's pick and roll will be. But if the pick and pop isn't there because Pascal is shooting 28% from three, then like, I, I don't really know. I'd rather have Lively roll into the rim and catching lobs. Like, mm-hmm. if we're going to do the the Luca pick and roll. So that's, it's a conundrum. Pascal works, I think pretty well with the Lakers. Anyone that has high height and size is a good option for them. Right. Because you, they just want to, they want to out rebound. They want to out body. They want to, they yeah. want to win in a half court. 
like that's how they want to do things. And he's obviously a versatile defender. So I think personnel wise, he works for the Lakers, although they like having shooting out there with LeBron and Anthony Davis too. So I don't know. So what one team that I'm not seeing floated around in any kind of rumors right now, and I think people are trying to gauge where they are healthy, which is still nothing is the Blazers. And to me, they are not, they are nine and 23, but they have a lot of really enticing pieces. And I think Scoot, obviously, off the table. But he's coming on. He's coming, coming on, on, though. I'm really, I'm he's excited. He's coming on. But he's yeah. coming on. The other guy who nobody, I don't, I mean, hoop heads are talking about, but what Anthony Simons has done since returning from injury in the last, whatever, 10 games, he's like, if the mat, would you go all in for a guy like Simons or is he too small? No, no, he actually not too small. It's like, you know, Kyrie size. Like, He's like really he's, good. He's, I think he's even bigger than Kyrie. I think he's like yeah, six he's four. six three. Yeah, he, would yep. you go yep. in? Would you go all in for a guy like that if he were to become available? I don't think he is. I think he's still in their timeline with Scoot. But I, it, I do too. I think that's why you haven't seen his name proposed out there is because he's he's somewhat of an untouchable for this team. I think there's really only two guys that are that three maybe with Sharp too because I I think they want to see more of his tape and what he can turn into. Um, but. There's another guy on that team who's playing really good basketball who becomes the number one scorer when Ant's not on the court, which he hasn't been for a lot of their games, and it's Jeremy Grant. And you want to talk about a, a big who can shoot? That guy is shooting nearly 40% from the three-point line. No, there he are is a shooting, lot of, he is, sorry to stack correct you. He is shooting 40%. Is it 40.6 or something like that? 41.7. Yeah. Ridiculous. I got that's what I do. I got into a battle with someone on social the other day. They're telling they're trying to run me that OG and is an elite three-point shooter. Like he's shooting 37% from three, 38% from three. I'm like, yeah, that's really good. But in today's NBA, that's not even top 85, bro. Don't run me that that's elite. Don't do that. Don't try him. That's an elite. And I, and I hate crap on OG. I just really didn't love that trade because you have a guy like Jeremy Grant right here who plays good defense and is a real, real, real scoring threat. Well, it's, it's also like you look at, it's all about value, right? Like, OG Ananobi was a guy that was floated in trade talks last year for three first round picks. And I thought that the Raptors actually got good value out of him, but I thought that the the hype around that was always way too far fetched. Like ridiculous. If the Warriors get really desperate, guess what? Someone might be able to get Andrew Wiggins for for next to nothing. And the guy is basically the same player as OG Ananobi, and at times has been a better basketball player than OG Ananobi. So sure. I, I'm just sometimes we get a little desperate and we force the issue. Um, I like that the Knicks got Malachi Flynn in that trade, and I like that they got Precious Achua can't be a starter because of his size, but is a good energy guy off the bench who could have, you know, over the course of his NBA career, a, a Trez Harrell type career, potentially. I like it. I, I don't know, man. I, I think Jeremy Grant should very much become a name that everyone is talking about and desiring to bring onto their team. That is a difference maker for, for a lot of teams. If, if the Lakers were able to get Jeremy Grant, ooh, watch out. If the Cause that's, if the Wolves, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if they have the they juice have to give up. I don't know if they have the juice anymore to go get like they they went all in with Gobert and it's worked out for them. It has like let's be let's be realistic. It's worked out for them. Like I, there are certain teams like they have to make them like the the Wolves have. But the to Wolves make are also move. like time timeline wise, it's just like get to the second round. Let Anthony Edwards have like a couple of epic playoff series. Maybe you get to the Western Conference Finals, and and heck, maybe you get all the way there. And it's valuable, valuable experience. Like, I don't think you need to shake things up because they're going so, so well for this team right now. Like, yeah. just stay the course. I, I, 
not anything drastic like that. Cause Jeremy Grant, you're, you're mixing something up, right? You're getting rid of Kyle Anderson. You might have to get rid of McDaniels. Like someone is a, a few key pieces right now. You might have to get rid of Nas Reed who like, no, can't. Tell you, if I'm the Timberwolves, I don't want to get rid of Nas Reed. That's for can't. Sure. he's a six man of the year candidate. Can I give you before we rock and roll one more, one more team that I want to, that I think should be watching NBA trades. Brooklyn Nets. Okay. I think the Brooklyn, and there's no one on that team that's untouchable. And there's a lot of value there. There's no one on that team that's untouchable. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to trade Bridges, but he's 27. He's not that young. Like he's at uh, 27 is yeah. young, but he's not 24. Like a guy like Simons is like Claxton. Well, you can get a boatload for Claxton. You can get the house for Claxton. And that's great return on your second round pick. You can get a lot from Mikael Bridges. Look what the look what the you, the, the Raptors did as well as they could for OG and Obi. Mikael Bridges like craps on OG and I, I know I'm crapping on OG and Obi, but Mikael Bridges is like what the best what you wish he was like realistically. Yeah, um, I also I mean like the Thunder making a move for Claxton would be how really to say that dude like yeah. you get that backup again. You have Holmgren and Claxton spelling each other throughout the game. You don't miss a beat. Like that could be the difference between the Thunder, like oh you know getting bounced earlier than they should, and going to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, no, I I like that move a lot. I don't think Claxton's incredible, but he's a good rim runner, a good rim protector and a good rebounder. So I, excellent shot blocker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, and really good positional value there and a great guy to pair with Chet. I mean, he's a good, he's a guy that a lot of teams could just, he, he and Capella, right? Like you've already mentioned Capella, but it's like both those guys are, are very valuable on so mm. many different playoff contenders. Um, I'll just say though, the last thing on the Jeremy Grant and or Pascal Siakam to the Lakers, if that were able to, to be a move that was viable for them. Um, that size, them, the Timberwolves, and the Nuggets, it's been a long time since we've had three playoff contenders like that with that much size. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously, you know, the league has taken notice, and a lot of these GMs are trying to, to do what they have to do to compete against Giannis, against Embiid, against Jokic. Um, even, even if you want to talk about teams like the Maps, like our point guard is 6'8" right? Like he's huge. Um, you spend a, you spend a lottery pick on him, like a non-offensive big that's seven, two. Yeah. Yeah. So size is back for sure. <laughs> Rockets. <clears throat> Sorry. I had something in my throat. Yeah. There's, like, there's just Jaylen a guy. Green, Jalen green's an interesting guy for them to potentially be on the block. If they want to I was gonna, send him uh, elsewhere to get more win ready guys right now, I would swap opportunity. I would swap green for bridges if I could. Yeah. Yeah. If I could do that. Interesting one to throw them because that kid Alperin, pretty. <laughs> the I just the, the Char the Charizard meme or whatever it is, and like Charmander, like him was like the youngest one. Like I think it's Sub I think it's him, Sabonis, and then Jokic. It's just yeah. it's just super hilarious. All right, Toss, Happy New Year, everyone who's viewed and listened. Happy New Year, Fisher Disciples. We'll see you guys next time. Tune into Horns Up, talking Texas coming later. We actually love you. And now. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.